we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for how long? Today is the eleventh week. I was going back through this week and looking at at, uh, at, at notes and and whatnot, and um, and we started out. This was a question that somebody presented about being confused about who the Holy Spirit is. And God has led us down this journey of eleven weeks. Uh, an hour and a half a week, uh, we have taken a seminary course on the Holy Spirit in terms of the amount of, of time that has been devoted <coughs> to, the, to the, this, this topic. And, and I was also thinking about, um, because who knew? God is the only one that knew that we were going to go down the journey. I love it. Uh, one of the things that I've learned is that you can't be in a hurry, and you can hear that. Um, there's really no reason to be in a hurry. It's all in God's hands. It's in His timing. And so 11 weeks later, in my wildest imagination, I didn't think that we would be spending 11 weeks to answer that question when it was posed. Um, and it just kind of goes to show you that, uh, that uh, you know, God's in, in charge and we're not. And so, uh, so I was also looking at, at, uh, at this at this. this been a multitude, frankly, of of, 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 uh, of great scripture references that, that we've been using over the last uh, ten weeks now now eleven, and uh, so the question came up: um, uh, is there's been a handout every week, but one, uh, not week one, but one of the eleven weeks there was no handout, no scripture handout, uh, and there isn't one tonight. How many scripture references have we used in the last? In, in the in the that would be what nine of the eleven weeks. So in nine weeks, how many scripture references have been on the handouts that we that we've used? Any guesses? Three hundred twenty-five. Three hundred twenty-five. Seventy-five. Seventy-five. Must count. We're here. <laughs> 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 Any other guesses? Hundred and ten. Hundred and ten. Very close. Very close. 170 scripture references have been used, and I was trying to do a little bit of research, and this is very challenging. Um, how many uh, uh, scripture references are there from, uh, by the way, in, in, what, in what books of the Bible uh, is the Holy Spirit even mentioned? Anybody know? In, in the Gospels? In the Old Testament, two. Genesis. 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 Starting in Genesis. Well, where's the first and the last reference to the Holy Spirit? Genesis. Genesis. Yeah, pretty much, and everything in between, too. It's really interesting. So those, those, uh, there are references throughout, and it's woven. I was sharing with you last week. Uh, I, I'm just I'm amazed. I, I'm, it's been an incredible journey just for me in the study in terms of how God has revealed himself uh, in Scripture uh, as the Holy Spirit, um, uh, not only in the biblical references, but what he is doing and what I see him doing in and through uh, this, this study in our, in our time together. So, um, so approximately how many biblical references to the, the Holy Spirit are there in Scripture between Genesis and, and Revelation? That's it. Anybody want to guess on that one? Mm. Oh. <laughs> 3,000. <000. laughs> That's too many. That's high. High. 220. 
Mm. Oh, it's a trick question. Because it's really hard. Uh, it depends on how you define that. Okay? Because we see in Genesis, we see in the beginning, in the beginning, that's John, not Genesis, but in, we see that the Holy Spirit first shows up where? In Genesis and creation. And so we see the Holy Spirit in creation, and then we see the Holy... Who's the Holy Spirit? God. But he's not called the Holy Spirit in creation. Okay. What, what's he called in... in spirit. The Spirit. Okay. Oh, that's really interesting. Now, now, thank you for that great segue, because now as we look at the number of times that the, that the Bible refers to God the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit, or doesn't even use that, that word. Okay? Uh, but it is a clear and direct reference to the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see that it is very difficult to count the number of times that, uh, that he is identified, he has identified himself, in essence, uh, in Scripture, uh, because you can read the King James or the New King James, uh, and you can read uh, some of the other translations. And depending on if you're looking just for the references to Spirit or Holy Spirit, uh, you would come up with two different numbers, right? And so the point of all that is, is that we have to be really careful uh, about that because we have these translations, and some of them are word for word, and some of them are thought for thought. And so, um, does it matter if it's word for word or thought for thought? It could, depending on who's writing the thought. Well, let's make the assumption that, let's, let me specify that more, more clearly. Does it matter if you're using the New King James or the 1984 NIV? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No, making the assumption that it is a good translation. Of course not. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Why? Why doesn't it matter if in the King James there are fewer references to Holy Spirit than there is in the 1984 NIV? Why? Why doesn't that matter? Well, other words could specify the same meaning. That's correct. That's the right answer. So when we're reading through the Bible. Regardless of which translation you're using, if that is assuming that it's a good translation, I would suggest that there are some that aren't so very good. But to the extent that you're using a, a good um, orthodox uh, translation of the Bible, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You are going to see the Holy Spirit made reference to in Scripture even if the word Holy Spirit isn't used. How would you know that? The context. Okay. How else? Well, when it says God is Spirit, naturally it would be a Holy Spirit. Okay. How else? You're just reading Scripture. And you're seeing... The Holy Spirit woven in and through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. How do you know? It's the way it was spoken. It's the way it was talked about. Okay. God wrote it. Uh huh. So he's going to weave himself in and out. 
Okay, close enough. Yeah, by the power of the Spirit. Okay, so a Spirit-filled person is going to see the Holy Spirit woven in and through all of Scripture. I challenge you to, when you're reading, just your normal reading, your normal Bible reading, uh, I would challenge you, after, a, after an 11-week study of the Holy Spirit, to, to be sensitive to God revealing Himself and showing you His Spirit, okay, and use the power of the Spirit. How do you do that? That's the $64,000 question, by the way, that we're going to answer by the end of the night. How do you do that? You see, because after 11 weeks, we've got to wrap some practical application to this, don't we? Because if we walk out of here and we're smarter about the Holy Spirit, who cares? I don't need to be smarter. I want to be more obedient. <laughs> I don't need to be any smarter because there's only so much you can cram into this little thing anyway. So, um, and it's about obedience. That's what we've really been learning, haven't we? After 11 weeks, well, we know it's about obedience, don't we? We know it's about obedience. So, uh, so who is the Holy Spirit? And what does He do? What's the work of the Holy Spirit? Let's review before we get into the $64,000 question at the end. He lives in us. He's our helper. Comforter. Comforter. Pardon me? Teacher. Teacher. Prompts us to do the right thing. Oh, prompter. I like that. Without it, we can accomplish nothing. Without? The Holy Spirit. Okay. We can accomplish What did you say without? Without the Holy Spirit. Oh, I thought I heard you say it. I did the first time. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you did. Because one of the things that we want to do is we want to remove from our vocabulary forever, from this day forward, ever calling the Holy Spirit it. Because that would be like that would be like calling you it. And you are not cousin it. You look a lot like him. I'm it all the time. <laughs> no, you call him hey you. <laughs> Isn't it that little hand that curls around? No, but that is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke about this guy. One of the things I love about this group is that we've grown close enough that we can do that, so thank you. Wait till, but, I, wait till I get home. But it's important because we know that the Holy Spirit is who? God. So why does the scriptures then refer to the person of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is God. God the Holy Spirit. And so God is not it. God is, biblically speaking, unless you take the NIV after 1984, and where everything is gender neutral, which just drives me crazy, as you well know, um, is referred to in the masculine gender, but it's not to say that that uh, that uh, God the Holy Spirit is is masculine in gender. That is that is how the uh, uh, well you know how that works biblically speaking. Um, so it is He, God, He, the Holy Spirit, not Him. Okay. So I don't believe that, but but let's let's get that out of our vocabulary. That was a very common thing in churchdom for a really long time. The Holy Spirit was referred to as it on a really regular basis. And so we learn that, okay? But we learn that wrong. It's wrong. So, um, and so, you know, we have, to be, we have to be really careful with that. So, what else is the Holy Spirit? What are some of the Holy Spirit's attributes? Well, one of the things like the Holy Spirit is, is, is uh, you can take the scripture, read it, and you can touch someone over here going through one problem, 
and someone over here go through a totally different problem. And how does that relate to the Holy Spirit in terms of who he is? Well, he's, 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 uh, he shows us uh, how it relates to our life. It's our counselor. Personal? Mm-hmm. It's also a feeling that the Holy Spirit is present. Okay. He also knows all about us, so he knows what needs to apply to us. Mm. Omnipresent. Okay. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, meaning? And what else? We can't pray because what? Oh, the Holy Spirit prays for us. You guys, you know, if we did that, if we took a test tonight, I'm confident that if I took them home to grade them, they would all be A's. I'm very confident. Does that mean we get a certificate? Okay, so um, so he's what? He prays for us. He prays for us. Time out. Where you sit right now, you, Susan, said that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. <coughs> what does that mean in this very moment? He's here. He is here. Well, he's here and he's here. Amen. Because he's here, he is here. <laughs> God, the Holy Spirit, is here. And what did you say? Susan, number two? But <laughs> 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 he prays for us when we Think about that for a second now. Okay. We learned several weeks ago that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer when we don't know what to pray. So we're standing there crying and we can still put words to it and give it to God. Amen, brother. Now, sorry, I mean, that's like a goosebump for me. Because we know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And when we are at a place where we don't have the words, He is praying. For us. This is God, the Holy Spirit. See, don't lose that. Don't lose that because the power that comes through the Holy Spirit that is active in our lives and because of our triune God. How does that work? God, what? Somebody explain that to me. Three persons. Three persons. One in essence, three in person. Okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? We can't explain it any better than that because words don't exist in order to explain that in such a way that we would understand it. Okay? So, we can apprehend that but we cannot comprehend that. 
All right? And yet it is true. And so there we have this triune God. And God the Holy Spirit, who is present here, who is living in us, at the times when we... I don't know about you, but when Daryl went down on Sunday... Uh, it's it's uh, that's kind of a uh, that, that's kind of a wake up call. Except for you nurses that knew exactly what to do, that's kind of a okay. And uh, and there were uh, there were lots of different uh, emotions in this room. There were there were there was uh, fear and concern, and there were uh, there were people that just didn't know what to do. Um, that's a little shocking because it was not normative. And yet in our humanity as believers standing kind of in awe of the situation with firemen and paramedics and all kinds of things going on and the pastor saying, you know what, this this is church, okay? And we're just going to excuse ourselves so this can be dealt with, right? And the Holy Spirit is in on behalf of a whole bunch of people that were here on Sunday. Is that incredible? Does that make you have a sense of of a closeness to God that perhaps you hadn't thought about before? Because you see, He's for us. Scripture says. It's incredibly powerful. If we don't just gloss over it. You know, Bill, it, it's also important because I think sometimes when it comes to prayer, I mean, how many of us are afraid of not saying the right thing? Right, we have this fear. I, I have to pray certain words. I have to sound a certain way. I have to, right? What if it doesn't sound right? And and quite honestly, sometimes there's no words to need to even be said. There's a, there's a freedom that that I would hope in, in everything you just said. There's a freedom in your prayer time. I don't know about when you go to quiet time. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. <laughs> right? How much of our quiet time is us just talking the whole time? Right? We didn't even have quiet time. It was just us. Right? Sometimes quiet time just needs to be quiet because, Lord, I'm, I'm just here. And, and, and I, it's okay. It, there's an okayness, and that goes back to the, the not an it. It's a person. Your quiet time can be you and a person, God, and you can be okay for however long that quiet time lasts, even if you said one word, or two words, or got up after 30 minutes and said, Lord, thank you for this time with you. That, that, that's spring. And, and, and just a word of encouragement, you know, when, when situations like with Daryl happens, or if I'm called over to, to the hospital to, to pray in a, in a certain situation, quite honestly, I don't know what the situation is I'm walking into. I don't know. Sometimes I don't even know the person. I don't know the people that are going to be there. And quite honestly, as, as I'm driving there or in the situation even on Sunday, I'm like, Lord, I'm not sure even what to pray. So so I'm just going to, by faith, call us to prayer and then kind of wait for him to lead the prayer. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a, there's a sense when we come to prayer that we can let him lead the prayer. Do you guys know what I'm saying? And versus getting, we, we kind of go, you know? And, and that's like even here, right? For how long we've been meeting here. You know, there's a bit of a heart pounding whenever Bill asks for a volunteer, right? And I think part of that is because we feel like we need to lead the prayer. When the truth be known, when we say let's pray, it's okay to sit. And then let the Holy Spirit even give you the words of prayer. 
Okay, so I just want to encourage you with that, that there's a freedom that comes from, from knowing that he's a person, and even in prayer, he'll leave the prayer. It, it, it's a very, it's a very, very liberating. <laughs> <laughs> Except for you. <laughs> there's always an exception. <laughs> what? See, in Scripture, we, we, we've been looking for, now for weeks, and we've been reading a lot of scripture references, and we're seeing the Holy Spirit that is just woven in and through the whole of scripture. And, and I, I, I've been sharing over the last few weeks with you that it's been, it has been, it has, I don't know if I have the words for this, it has been unimaginable to me what has happened as I have seen God reveal himself through this study, through the Holy Spirit, and what has just been happening in my own life. And I'm not talking about just the Wednesday night study. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in and through every aspect of my life for the last the last three and a half months um, has been it's been a remarkable journey. It has been a remarkable journey. And it has radically changed the, the way God has revealed to me that he wants me to live. And radical things are happening. And it has been the Holy Spirit's work. And glory be to God. And so it has just been remarkable. And which is why I'm so passionate. Because I thought I was passionate before. And God has showed me a passion that goes beyond anything that I, I, I can imagine. And so that passion, I just want to share, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that I'm hoping that you know, I'm seeing little cards because I'm, I'm privy to them. But I'm hoping that we're going to hand out little cards. I'm hoping that people are going. To, I'm hoping that people are going to meet Jesus because of the passion that we have and the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us as we as we just walk in the Spirit with Him going forward. I, I'm just I'm just excited about that. So the Holy Spirit had a role in and through everything that happened from Genesis to Revelation and now. What was the role that the Holy Spirit played in the life of Jesus? Right out of the box. Well, he was with him when he was tested. When he was tested. Okay. He was the one that caused the birth in the first place. He was the one that caused... Talk about the starting point. <laughs> there it is. And how did how did Mary conceive this this child that we that we call Jesus that is Lord? Huh? <laughs> By the Holy Spirit. I don't know how God did that. I don't know how God did most everything that He did. But I know that the Scripture says, "He fearfully and wonderfully made you." I know you are great and But right, right. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful. Right out of the box, there it is, and in the life of Jesus. So, in all this talk about the Holy Spirit, I mean, in, in the life of every believer, um, who is this all about? Jesus. Jesus. It's about Jesus, guys. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what it's about. And we get that through the power of the Spirit that reveals that to us. Let's not, let's not forget. So, let's not get all caught up in, 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 in being very one-dimensional because, you know, <laughs> we don't want to be one-dimensional. We want to be multi-dimensional here. Multi meaning we want to be we want to have a three hundred and sixty degree view. 
We have to be careful not to, not to be prideful and to give glory to God because the Holy Spirit can show us stuff and we can turn around and, and think it's ourselves and try to be prideful. Amen. Turn to Acts 1 8. And we're only going to look at a few scriptures and there are no. Uh, you don't have a hand out because we've already looked at these scriptures once. So I didn't want to double dip. <laughs> We talk about what Scripture tells us about the work of the Spirit. In the past, Old Testament, in the past, New Testament, Apostolic Age, in the present, and even in the future, the Bible reveals to us the work of the Holy Spirit in every realm that we can relate to, because we wear wristwatches, past, present, and future. And so, Acts 1.8 says... Go ahead, George. You always love the you, you because you're you're uh, us out of the new King James. New King James. Okay. <coughs> but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, what did during the Apostolic Age? <coughs> let's start there. So, what did Jesus? Say was going to happen that hadn't happened to them anyway at that point. And what didn't they have before Jesus said that? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the power. And so what's the difference? The Holy Spirit. And we saw in the Old Testament many scriptures that we looked at that said what? In the Old Testament, prior to Jesus, prior to to his his earthly ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, where he promised us the Holy Spirit. What did we see in the Old Testament was happening with the Holy Spirit? Some people were receiving the Holy Spirit. God bestowed his spirit on those for his will to be done. And sometimes he withdrew it. And sometimes he withdrew it. That's right. So, so we know biblically that it came and it went in Old Testament times. Fast forward, present, present. 2014, Ohio, California. It stays with us now. He stays with us now forever. Thank you. Because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am there to be your counselor. Is that what you said? Was, uh, uh, Back in the Old Testament, when, when the angels would come and speak like to the <coughs> wise men and the, 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 the chief of the guy tree and all that, that, that was through the Holy Spirit. Right? Oh, awesome, Marie. That's a whole other interesting story because we can take a look at those people that came and some people with that big fancy word that we call it Christophany, you know, that Jesus actually was the one that was present and it wasn't really an angel. And so was it the Holy Spirit? Um, you know, was it a was it a Christophany? Was it really Jesus? And those things are those things are interesting and, and even debatable in, in some cases, and probably unknowable in other cases. Um, and so the answer to your question is yes and no, yeah. depending <laughs> on the situation. Okay, we would have to have a little higher degree of specificity of that question to really to really be able to answer it. But but we do know that the power came through the Holy Spirit. Okay. At, at what time? Remember the remember the uh, remember, that, remember the word. When did it come? At Pentecost. 
okay? At Pentecost, the, the power of the Spirit came and all believers received the power of the Spirit when? Except Christ. When they accept Christ. Bingo. That's it. If you have accepted Christ, you have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that comes with both power. We don't want to overemphasize power because that has been overused and abused in the church. So we have to be very careful with that. But, uh, but the Bible is very clear. It, it, you know, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and gives us both strength and power. Strength and power. Immediately. Immediately. It doesn't get filled as you go along. Now, how much of the Holy Spirit do you have in you? Oh, thank Yeah. So, Bill, if the Holy Spirit never leaves us or forsakes us, is he still with us if we quench the Holy Spirit? Now, that's a good question, too. So, now, can you quench the Holy Spirit? And what does that mean, Anna? Quenching the Holy Spirit. To me, it means not being obedient to him. Or rejecting. Um, you know, what's that what's that what's that really bad sin? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And what is that? Okay. I think you gotta be careful how you phrase the question. So can you lose the Holy Spirit? I don't know, Bill, that's what I'm asking. I mean he says he never leaves this work or forsakes it. And we don't lose our salvation. Okay. So how can the Holy Spirit leave us? Okay. And you said you don't think so? Why not? Uh, because we have accepted Jesus. Okay. And so the Bible says that if you have accepted Jesus, you accepted And when you accept Jesus, what, what uh, put some more words to that. What, what have you done? You, you received his mercy okay. and his forgiveness. Okay. And okay. You've received your name's written in the book of life. <laughs> okay. Well, you said that that you you can't lose your salvation. Right. Okay. Well, well, that's you get hurt. You get hurt. Okay. Okay. So so are you saying then that that him who the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit if we can sadden him he has emotions. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Clearly, he does. As a matter of fact, Ephesians four thirty will tell us. Why don't you turn there? <laughs> Not that you brought that. Sorry about that. No. <laughs> I just found that. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians four thirty. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Isn't that what you were just talking about? Mm-hmm. Now, what is grief? Disappointment. Okay. And it's an emotion. Grief is an emotion. Do you feel grief? Mm-hmm. You experience grief? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, we know this from from uh, from our other Bible studies that that that, that God has emotions. I mean, well, look at the Old Testament for goodness' sake. <laughs> if you want to see an emotional God and a merciful God and uh, and a God that has all these attributes that we can sit here and bliss, um, you don't even have to get to the New Testament. You know, if you come to church and you only have the New Testament, you have half your Bible at home. 
because you know it, it, they go together. There's no such thing as the Old and the New Testament. It's the Bible. Okay, they, they go together. That's God's word. So, having said that, um, what we see here is we see that the Holy Spirit has emotion. And what else does the Holy Spirit have? As long as we're on that on that subject, if he has, if he can experience grief and has emotion. What else? Huh? He can experience joy. Okay. Now you're getting ahead of me. <laughs> okay. All right. What other emotions? Pain. Well, for one thing, if he is prompting you to do something, you can quench that mm-hmm. by not doing it, by pushing it down. I love the scripture where Paul says, but the Holy Spirit prevented us. And at another time, he said, and Jesus prevented us. I, I, I love that because the two of them are, are, are just, you know, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are like, there they are, God. And at one point, it was clearly the Holy Spirit. And yet another time, Paul said it was Jesus. Well, Jesus was sitting at the right hand of the Father when Paul said that. And so, uh, and so there, there it is. And who's it about? Jesus. It's about Jesus. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit will prevent or allow things to happen. I often wonder when we did that study on heaven, I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to see. I don't know if it's like a real real thing, you know, or a movie camera. I'm not sure how that's <laughs> going to work. But as I look back, uh, I, 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 I want to believe, but I don't have any way to support this. I want to believe that we're going to look back and we're going to be given a glimpse in terms of what God did for us that we had no clue about. Because I think it's real regular. Because I'm working with somebody right now and having a lot of fun because we are experiencing just the opposite of that. Things that we are seeing God do. And it is and I mean in every way, remarkable. And so it's the recognition of that that is that is um, so powerful, you know, because we don't recognize things that God isn't doing or preventing from from happening. So, um, so uh, okay. Somebody said that, that the Holy Spirit convicts us. What does that look like? What did we look at in? in scripture that, that gave us an idea to put some wrap some meat around that bone if you would. Okay? He convicts us of what does that mean? Well if you're doing wrong, he lets you know that you're doing wrong and you feel guilty. So you have to confess it. And get it, you know. Okay, so when I went to the Chevron station and paid four twenty nine for a regular today <laughs> when it was only four twelve at the shell station and other was that wrong? No, Sorry, it was my wife's credit card. Um, <laughs> 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 
So if we do something wrong, there's this, there's this conviction. What does that, what does that mean, that conviction? That you feel guilty. You know it was wrong. Okay. It, re- it reveals to you that you did something wrong. Okay. So then you can ask for forgiveness and you're cleared of that. Okay. And you also, if you're in the process of doing something wrong, I think he also lets you know that that's not right and you can quit that oh. or not do it. Okay, that's good because I, I, in my notes I said he convicts us of, and I didn't say wrong. That's not the word I used in my notes. What does he convict us of? Sin. Thank you. See, let's not be afraid, guys. Let's call it what it is. See, you know, Pastor Richie uh, recently, uh, believe it or not, I really listened to what he said. And so he's preaching because I'm telling you, uh, you know, I, I, hey, you know, we, 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 we lack. But a lot of people come to church and they don't realize that the Holy Spirit has been the one that has prepared the sermon. And the pastor that is walking in the Spirit is doing nothing more than being obedient to what God has told him to to preach to us. And we should be listening. It's not Richie preaching. He's just the one putting the words out there. It is God that has prepared that sermon through the through the effort that, that has been put forth because of what he has called the pastor to do. And so we don't want to whitewash it and we don't want we have to be gentle because we're going to learn that in a second again. But what we want to do is we want to be straightforward. Let's just call it what it is. Okay? So if I'm going to do something today that God would call sin, then don't sugarcoat it and make it soft and easy because to... Just poor Just, I'm telling you, sin is sin. (laughs) Sin is sin. Let's just go ahead and call it sin. Okay? And then let's ask for forgiveness for that. Okay? So let's not call the Holy Spirit it, and let's not whitewash sins. Let's just go ahead and call it. And no, not a sin, it's $24.29 a gallon. But, but <laughs> I was stupid. But I can share with you, I won't, but I could share with you uh, uh, something else that happened today that God would call sin. Okay? I mean, so let's just. Because if we begin to sugarcoat it in our own life, we won't. We will not be in a position where we will be in step with the Spirit. Because we'll be denying, even in our own life. Even though Scripture says, "Confess your sins to one another." Okay. All right, so Mike, I'd like you to sit here and we're one by one come up and confess our sins to today. Yeah, that's not comfortable. Okay, and that's not exactly what it means. It's sort of that's what it sort of means. It means have a relationship with somebody that you're really close with. Okay? That is a real godly person. One seeking after God. And be able to confess your sins to one another. That's a command. So if we don't do what God commands us, is that a sin? Enough said. Okay, so what kind of character qualities then does God want us to possess? His character qualities? Mm-hmm. And what about? What's that? Go ahead, the question is right here. Nice, different attributes of God. How many proof of the Spirit are there? How many? One. Uh, Just like in the Word. Just like there's three in the Word. There's one for the Spirit. So you only have to be here for 11 weeks in a row to know that. There's one for the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are those attributes of God. Now, Galatians 5.22 lists them 
for us, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And so what are they? That's the first three. Patience. You don't want to get them in order. Love your peace. We remember that last week. I, I love that when somebody says, boy, you, you seem like you're really biblically learned. I said, no, no, I just read it today. That's why I remember that. <laughs> 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 okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the one fruit of the Spirit that are listed in, in nine <laughs> attributes, and those are the attributes of God. And so uh, those are character qualities, right? Okay, so why does God want us to possess those character qualities? Because he wants us to be like him. What? He wants us to be like him. Could you say that one more time? <laughs> he would like us to be like him. Huh, that's really interesting. And who is this about? What's, who's our life about? <coughs> Jesus. We put our faith in who? People. Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, it's about Jesus. So let's not sugarcoat that either. I mean, let's be let's be ripped up for that. That's a slang term for being on fire. Okay, let's let's be on fire for Jesus and and not be ashamed of that. Because as we look through all these scriptures and we're seeing all these people and all these stories and all these circumstances that we're told about, all true. And every one of these people that were on fire for the Lord were on fire for the Lord. There's a reason for that. Well, the fruit of the Spirit also is to us. We don't even learn it. It's a gift from God. The fruit of the Spirit is, and um, what, do you, what, do you, what do you do uh, to be saved? What do you do? Except Jesus. Yes, uh, and what's that word? Receive. And receive, and then we do what? We are filled. And we're, but what do we do? We're saying. Also, a gift of God? Yeah, absolutely, they are. Everything. Every step. Every breath. God owns everything, right? Including our breath. So, we know that. So, it's all a gift of God. So, we are being conformed, are we not? As we speak, we are being conformed to the likeness of Christ. That's our desire. That's what we were designed to do to begin Amen. Amen. And the tension and the battle in terms of being conformed to the likeness of Christ, is what the world throws at us. But it doesn't matter, because we don't live here. We're just, we're just, it's a temporary, you know, I mean, we're just, we're just hanging tight through. We're just passing through. Just hanging tight for a while, but it sure seems like a long time, doesn't it? It's not. It's not like this much. That's right. I love those illustrations because that's exactly right. It, and so, and so, as we look at the sixty-four thousand dollars question at the, at the end of the night tonight, in terms of okay, now what are we going to do with everything that we've learned? Because we got to do something with it. Because if all we do is leave here and we have the we've had this intellectual ascent and we and we woohoo! I know more about the Holy Spirit. I know. Who he is, I know what he does. I, all this stuff I know, but if we don't live it, and uh, that, that appropriate word, what is it? 
Could he actually could he be put in the uh, listing of the, the fruit of the spirit the way he did so that um, um, we can be amazed at our own uh, how we are because we can see him working in us. That's a great question. You see us doing something like that, showing someone kindness. Showing I'm going to answer that question. That's a great question. I was thinking about that just today, as a matter of fact. And so we got this Bible, and we always think about it as being broken into two pieces, don't we? Both the old piece and the new piece. Okay, we call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what was happening in the Old Testament for God to reveal to people, uh, uh, you know? What their condition was, who who they were, what was what was going on? It was a bloody mess, wasn't it? Are you are you grateful that Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice, so that we didn't have to bring bulls and rams and goats and and doves and uh, I mean you name it. I mean, I, I was thinking about that today as I was reading, thinking, I've always thought this, but it just hit me today as I was thinking about Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. My gosh, and they still didn't get it. How much more so for us? Blessed are those who believe that haven't seen. You've seen, he said. That's the Holy Spirit. You couldn't believe any of this. You, you make the decision, and then the scales drop off of your eyes once you put your faith in Christ. They start to drop off. So these fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit. Let's finish your question. So the fruit of the Spirit now is a result of what? God's gift. Our faith. Our faith. Our faith. <laughs> Keep going. The gift. Our faith. The fruit of the Spirit is a result of what? Obedience. Thank you. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a result of our obedience in our walk with Christ. You want to see somebody with a ton of fruit in, uh, in their life? Wow. Okay, you know, I, I know exactly what they're doing. Well, not exactly, but I mean generally. <laughs> I know generally what they're doing. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. What is love? God is love. God is love. Thank you. God is love. And so if the fruit of the Spirit is a manifestation of our relationship with the Lord, that is that vertical relationship that we have with God, right? Because you have a vertical relationship with God because of what? Our faith and our Obedience. obedience. The old word. Without obedience, we might as well pack it up and go home. We're just kidding each other. We're not kidding God. Okay? You can fool all kinds of people all the time. Not God. You can't fool You can't You can't You just can't fool the Lord. And so, God is love. We looked at this definition. Love is the steady direction of our will toward the lasting good of another. I, I just love that definition because it's, it, it, it denotes very self-sacrificial uh, connotation there. You know what I mean? And it's, 
and it is it's so it's for the lasting good of somebody else. It's, it means that I'm gonna I'm gonna pull all the stuff that I want to do. I'm gonna set it aside, and I'm gonna do whatever I feel that God has led me to do to the benefit of somebody else. So it's lasting. I love that. I don't do it <laughs> as much as I should, perhaps. But 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 I love that. And so you know. What was the greatest act of love that was ever performed? Jesus. Because who's it about? Jesus. Amen. Like I said, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't. We wouldn't be here. And and then there's and then there's joy. Let's just look at these quickly before we get to the. I don't want to spend some time on the sixty-four thousand dollars question. Not a game show, but I like that. Okay, what about joy? What is joy? That emotion that's not dependent upon happening. Very good. A deep sense of well-being that has absolutely no relationship to your circumstance. Your circumstances are meaningless. Okay, it's a deep joy. Where's joy come from? Why? Because it. It's a gift. It's a gift. It is. And we look at this in terms of how elusive joy is. Because people look for it in all the wrong places. We've heard testimony after testimony after testimony about people. They, they try to find it in all kinds of things. In relationships and in, 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 in uh, you know, some people put it in evil. I can't imagine that because that's a, I don't even go to the doctor. For a job, but, you know, they, they look for it in all kinds of crazy places, right? They're looking for what's missing. That proves the spirit. How about peace? We saw police. Police. Peace. <laughs> There's an S word in there too. Shalom. Because peace is shalom. And we saw in scripture that, that even Jesus is called Shar Shalom. Prince of Peace. I love that. So what is peace? If you have peace, what is that? The absence of confusion and, and uh, upheaval. And upheaval and. Right and being right with God and the absence of anxiety. Peace is. Yeah, you remember all that stuff. Why don't we have peace? Because we're just here. Because we live here. <coughs> Thank you. Actually, sometimes it's just because we don't receive. Okay, and the reason. Um, um, not exactly. Because to have peace, what must you do? You see, it does rely on you to a degree. It's a gift of God, but you have to do something. Okay? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about fruit of the Spirit, you see, because we can sit passively and do nothing. But that doing something could also be uh, praying to God for it and it's in here. There you go. It's not That's doing something. Right. It's not like uh, <coughs> saying you're living without sin. And so there's this there's this trust component that comes along with it too. There's a trust component that comes along. But I don't forget obedience, obedience, obedience. And so to the extent that we're and we're going to look at this in just a minute, uh, to the extent that we're obedient, okay, all these things come. They come in a flood. To the extent that we're not, they tend not. I have said that. Scripture says that. Okay. And so uh, what about patience? 
Anybody remember the definition that I read when we did patients a few weeks ago? This is another one that's become one of my favorites. The ability to endure unpleasant people and or circumstances for a higher cause. I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> my Bible calls it long suffering. Long suffering. Yes. And we learned also about about the original language in the Greek. Long suffering means long suffering. Really long time. Yeah, long suffering means long suffering. And so um, it means suffering, and there's a there's an endurance component uh, component to to patience, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, I read something else that I liked, and so I wrote it again. And that is, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. That's not biblical, I think. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but really, when you think about it, where is our home? And what's happening right now while we're here? Yeah, things aren't okay here. Okay, in, in 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 the world, things are not okay. Anybody disagree with the fact that things aren't okay here? <laughs> just today, I had some stuff that just wasn't okay. <laughs> okay, it wasn't okay. And and so as we think about um, you know how we are going to appropriate the Holy Spirit and, and physically, what are we going to do in order to be people that are in step with the Holy Spirit? Um, we have to think about it not being okay here because. Because we don't live here. And so to the extent that we get caught up in the stuff that's happening here, we won't be caught up in the things uh, uh, that, are, that are going to be happening there. And so we let that, we let that drive us down. And who's in charge of that? Sleepy. Amen. Amen. That's where it comes from. Kindness. That's a wonderful thing. Let's take kindness and goodness together real quick. Okay? What is kindness and goodness? Who is good? God is good. God is good. Who else? The ultimate goodness is God. Okay. Are you looking at me? I'm just going to ask you a question. You know, this goes way, way back. Come the other way. Are you good? She's the evil remember. Who in the room is good? No one. No one, not one, is good. Okay, so now we have to look at the biblical construct of good. What is good? Okay. Well, good goodness is really the expression, the ultimate expression of kindness. And Jesus was so kind. And we say God is good. And all the time. Because it's true. Because God is the one who is good. And we are not. We don't have the nature. Will we be? Amen. Okay? So don't get caught up in everything not being okay. Because it's not going to be okay. And it's not going to be okay until we leave this place and go to be with the Lord or Jesus comes. One of those two things has to happen for it to be okay. And so in the meantime, kindness, which is a gratuitous... Self-sacrificial. Oh, okay. I'm ready. Go ahead. Kindness <laughs> and self-sacrificial? That's good. 
Tuesday. Is kindness part of your character? Mm-hmm. It's not part of your character? Uh, no, but I, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> should it be? Yeah, it should be. We're talking about, these are character qualities of God we're talking about. And we said earlier, you, Susan number one, said, <laughs> you said that what we're trying to do is we're trying to live our life and we're trying to be more like Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's why they call us Christians. Where it first came in the, in the, in the, in the early church, that's where, that's where the term came from, when they started calling us followers of Jesus Christians. And we've been called that ever since. Little Christs is what it means. We're followers of Jesus. We are, uh, as in, I mean, as, as, you know, the road is straight. And even though we do this, we're Christians. Okay? We are Christians. And we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, with that, what we want to do is we want to have those five S words that we looked at in kindness. And that sensitive to others, supportive, sympathetic. Mm, it gets harder. Straight forward. Okay? Sometimes that's a hard one. Because you've got to be straightforward with gentleness, too. Okay, they go together. So you can't just come across as holier than now in terms of being straightforward. You've got to be kind and gentle. Okay? And spontaneous. If you're, you know what, remember the, the, the Good Samaritan story? You know, they're on the road and something needed to happen now. You know, it didn't matter if he was going to be late. You know, so I, I, I love that because kindness can be spontaneous. When you're late, and, and there's, uh, and there's, uh, oh, this is for the guys. So when you're late and you're, and you're going 77 miles an hour down the Ohio Freeway, and there's that elderly lady, and the car's on the side of the road, and the right rear tire is flat, does your lateness matter? Spontaneous means that if you are filled with the Spirit, and if the fruit of the Spirit is going to be manifest, and you see something, you can't do everything that you, you run across every day. You have to be practical about it. But the, the question still remains. If there is an opportunity to be spontaneous, do you take it? It'd be like uh, spontaneous. It'd be like if uh, someone tripped in and was falling forward towards you, would you grab them? Creek runs right down here, and it, and it turns into Creek Road. There's a real sharp corner there, and um, 
and I was it was late at night, uh, and there was an accident there, and a car had run into a tree, and there was a guy there that had a bloody forehead, and and uh, and I and I did profiling, okay, because I looked at the people that were in and around the accident scene, and my mind says, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Um, but I kind of didn't have a choice because the car was in the road and hit the tree. You know? so, so I stopped and I rolled my window down this far. I was scared to death. There were three of them. And it was after me, I made the assumption that they were all in a, they looked like they were in a class of people. You know, he got the idea. And so, and so there I was and it was like, okay, well, what do I do, you know? And so I stopped and I had an absolute, complete misconception about the whole thing. The guy just needed help and... Uh, so I called 911 and, and you know all that kind of stuff and uh, and so it was it was kind of like okay um, you know was was that me or was that was that the spirit uh, you know it was a it, that was a tough call it was a tough call um, but nonetheless gentleness power under control faithfulness by the way when we look at gentleness we looked at that story of Jesus and with the Samaritan woman at the well and he was so kind and so gentle and so faithful and he was so Jesus and there was no condemnation that's the point you see because at that at that point um, we have to look at at kindness goodness and gentleness in terms of it being an attribute that relates to salvation number one what was that lady at the well for she had a, concept, a, a misconception about who Jesus was. He's a Jew. I can't talk to him. He came at it from an entirely different perspective, though, didn't he? He was thinking about her eternity. Okay? And then there's the restoration piece of that. Okay? Being gentle. Okay? So, you know, Steve is going to say, I will restore him for, you know, <laughs> for all the sins that you but the point is, is that restoration is important so when somebody has sinned and you have a relationship with them gently you can bring them back into the fellowship okay alright so with that then we have faithfulness and self control we looked at self control last week so how many of these fruit of the spirit are born in our in our strength not a one not a one how many of them should we be directly pursuing? Oh. Really? We can't Thank you. No, the answer is none. You, if you are pursuing, wait, let me go back to the beginning here. There's, there's one fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How many of those should you absolutely be focused on pursuing? No. Why? You can't do it, Doris. You, if you, the whole point is, if you see somebody, let's go back to Jesus, in terms of his lovingness, his joyfulness, his shalom, how patient. How patient is God with us? Are you kidding me? Okay. We can't even relate to patience on that level. Okay. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay. To the extent that you're pursuing those, you're going to fall flat on your face. Because you would be doing those by definition. In terms of the fruit of the Spirit, you'd be doing it in your own strength. It is a result 
of our obedience with God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then that gift will be manifest because you are grafted into the vine. The vine is Jesus. Okay? And the fruit is what comes from that. You want to develop fruit of the Spirit? Don't go after it. Go after your relationship with the Lord. Dive in deep with the Lord. And the fruit of the Spirit will manifest itself and people will go, whoa. So, if you don't, let's look at that on the negative side. What happens? What happens if you're not loving and you're not joyful and you're not peaceful and you don't have patience and you're not kind and you're not good and you're not gentle and you're not faithful and you don't have any self-control? You go to work for God. On the negative. But if you don't have those things, Why? Your relationship must be terrible with the yeah. Lord. I'm telling you, if none of those exist in your life, you've got something big time broken. Or you're flat out not a believer. Although I know believers that seem to be very kind. I've seen non-believers that are very kind. I've seen non-believers that have a peace about them. But they do it for gets on that. Yeah, you see, the whole motivation is different. You see, everything about how they're living is different. And so, what we see then is that the spiritually mature desire this self-control that we're talking about, the children want candy, right? That's what we looked at last week. Okay? Self-gratification instantaneously. You know, I'm going to be kind because, um, you know, if I'm kind, I'm going to, you know, there's something in it for me. No. Kindness comes out of your obedience and your relationship with the Lord. And uh, the peace that you get about, it's like uh, I've been sharing with somebody recently, uh, and they've been telling me that, you know what, I'm just, I'm ready now to get all these things in my life uh, put together because because they've been out of control. And so now what I'm ready for is I understand, okay, uh, what is what is necessary. I didn't know what was necessary before. So now as I just do things right, by doing the right things, meaning that I'm going to develop my relationship with the Lord, that I'm going to let all this stuff take care of itself. Oh, boy, does that take pressure off? I, uh, I have no more pressure, but I have to pursue all these things and get them right. Because I can't pursue any of them. Because I can't get them right. So the opposite of self-control is sin. So what do we do with all of this, guys? Okay. <laughs> You know, we really should hunger for these things through the fact that everything Jesus has given us for free without any expectations. Hunger is a good thing. What's different or should be different in regards to pursuing our life starting right now with what God has revealed to us about who He is, God the Holy Spirit, who Jesus is, who the Father is, what the fruit of the Spirit is, how the fruit of the Spirit is born out in our lives. What do we do with it? Stay connected to the mind, for one thing. 
I didn't hear what you said, Doris. Oh, stay connected to the vine. You know, stay connected to the Lord, your relationship with him. You just always be asking him what his will is. Mm. Every situation, well, most of the situations you've come upon, mm-hmm. what his will is. I'm going to read 12 things to you. I want you to think about these. And then, and then I want to answer some real... No, I don't want to ask. And then we'll answer some real practical questions about now what? Because if we don't get the now what, nothing changes. we got to get the now what, you see. Because whenever you, whenever you do Bible study, why do you study the Bible? Because it's closer and more about regular knowledge and love of God. <laughs> Amen. It's all about a relationship with the Lord. So, if you can, if you've been gifted with eyesight, or even if you have to do it by birth, uh, but if you have the ability to be in God's word, you've got to be in God's word for that reason. For that reason. The person of the Holy Spirit is God, is your bullet points. The Holy Spirit is our promise and our guarantee. The Holy Spirit is our strength and our power. We can do nothing without him. Nothing without him. We cannot separate the triune God, one in essence, manifest in the three persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit the moment we put our faith in Christ. And we are full. Filled to full. The only evidence of that is the fruit that is born in our lives. And the fruit, of course, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which is only produced as we are connected and grafted into the vine. Without the Holy Spirit, we are dead. Not physically, but we are dead. Since we live by the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. What does obedience look like? If we're going to walk in the Spirit, if we're going to live in the Spirit, if we are going to be in step with the Spirit, what does that look like? And what are you going to do tomorrow morning or maybe even tonight? Pray and read the Bible. Pray read the Bible. Fellowship. Be obedient to the prompting of the Spirit. Listen. Be quiet. That's all. <coughs> <coughs> Have faith. And ask for help. Ask for help. Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're <laughs> planted. Right here, right now. Praise and thankfulness. Praise and thankfulness. Praise Him. Be thankful. There's a thanksgiving. We do that a lot, don't we? That seems to be an easy one, actually. 
Sing songs of praise. Sing songs of praise. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. So I think that we have to think about the Holy Spirit as being able to clothe ourselves in the power of the Spirit. Because if we think about it that way, ever since we've been putting on fig leaves, we've been clothing ourselves. And I think it's a great illustration because what do you do in the morning? You get up and you put some clothes on. Otherwise, it's going to get ugly out there. Um, but <laughs> the, point, the point is... The point is that do we put on the Spirit to be in step with the Spirit? Shoes, steps, do I clothe myself in the Spirit so that I can be in step with the Spirit? And do I think and do I talk and do I act and that's all actions. The fruit of the Spirit are all verbs. They're all action words. As though I am in step with the Spirit. And so, if you meditate on the precepts of God's Word, what do you have to do in order to meditate on those precepts of God's Word? you got to know what they are. Yeah. Exactly right. That's what I love about this group. That, because you know what? This is, a, and not, not to the detriment of anybody else, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that, that there are all kinds, of, I know people that don't have the ability to get out, and they are spirit filled, um, um, Christ centered, Bible believing um, uh, students of Scripture, and, but they can't get out in fellowship like this. They can't be in a group like this. And so don't, don't take that the wrong way. But I'm saying that you have to know what God's Word says. Without it, you're going to be lost in this pursuit to be obedient. <coughs> obedient to what? I'm always reminded of the person that I told that I had a really, well, I didn't tell him this, but I just blurted it out because I have a big mouth and a bigger foot. And I, I had a very strong opinion about what the Bible said. The problem was I never read it. I didn't have a clue what it said, but I had a really strong opinion about it. A really strong opinion. The Bible says that you are a saint and that you are a priest. And a child of God. <laughs> and a whole host of other things. And as a saint and a priest, <coughs> that is what we are? No. Sorry. It's not what we are. That is who we are. So here's the $64,000 question. Because you're a saint and a priest, and that's who you are. And because the Bible has taught us over 11 weeks of looking at who the Holy Spirit is, the work of the Holy Spirit in the past, in the present, and even into the future, God's Word tells us what the work of the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit is indwelling every person sitting in this room and every person that has put their faith in Christ 
all of these facts, these truths that God has revealed to us in His Word should manifest in something. Each of us, then, I think, has the responsibility to seek the Lord for what it is in our life that needs to change so that we can clothe ourselves. So that we can appropriate the Holy Spirit. Because if we're not, all we've done is gain some knowledge, had a wonderful time of fellowship for 11 weeks, and then just put God over here in this category and we invite him in when we come on a Wednesday or a Sunday or when, oh, those people seem like they're church people so maybe I should talk churchy. As opposed to being filled with the Spirit and clothed in the Spirit and in step with the Spirit in every situation that comes to you. So pray about what that looks like in your own life. Because you and the Lord are the only ones that know. And that's the beauty of an obedient relationship with the Lord. You see, He already knows. He just wants us everything that he's already gifted us with in order to walk in the Spirit, in order to live in the Spirit, and in order to be Spirit-filled people. And it ought to be very obvious in all the company that we keep with no apologies. Because that is the biblical construct and the biblical truth. Praising God and all the things that we have been looking at and studying through God's Word. And I would submit to you, becoming closer to the Lord in the last 11 weeks. We have become closer with one another. No question in my mind. And we have become closer this way without any question in my mind and now he wants us through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to just appropriate him every moment of every day. What would Jesus be pleased with in terms of how we conduct ourselves because the fruit of the Spirit requires us to take some action. He gives us the gift and affords us the opportunity to grow in our love for Him and our obedience to Him. And these things just happen. It just happens. And I've been, I've been privileged to watch it. Not only in this group, in this church. I've been watching it happen. Miracle. Only way I can describe it. Miraculous things are happening. The rest of your life is being 
transform, and that is in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, priests and saints, I have a question for you. I don't know if you can answer this, Pastor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you think it's just a coincidence that you spent a couple of months on Satan and now three on the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I think the timing was, I mean, so appropriate. It, the sequence of that. I've been thinking about that for a couple of weeks. It's no coincidence. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't believe in coincidence. I'll take you one. I'll take you one farther than that. Uh, as as uh, in answering these questions, why is it that the question that it was time to answer this question about me? Because the first question, I thought, well, this is a no-brainer. This will be, you know, this will we'll get. Because remember when we started this whole series on the hey, now that's a good question. Yeah. We were doing like two or three questions a, 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 a night. This one, this is an eleven weeker here, yeah. and um, <laughs> and so why did it come? Because I only have a couple of little questions left. So why did this question come at the same time that that the pastor was praying about Lord, where 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 do you want me to where do you want me to go, Lord? You, he was seeking the Lord for for uh, uh, for for preaching on on what grace, 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 and the Holy Spirit. And when we got together, and he said, "What are you? What are you thinking about? What are you praying about?" And, and it was just like, oh, that's very interesting. It was just like another goosebump moment. It was like that's that is God. And I'm telling you, when you, I I, I would love to believe that I could walk in the Spirit 100 percent of the time, all the time. I can't. Um, but that that is my desire. So far as I need to do something about it, it's my desire. <laughs> okay. And uh, and I know God will forgive me when I'm not. But um, but those are the things that we see, and you're absolutely right. God knits those things together. And he knits us together. And that's why, that's why, naturally, this group is more knitted together because we're in fellowship. We're being obedient. Hello? That's what God's word says will happen. They had all things in common. We don't even know each other very well. And I feel like we know each other. In the spirit, in the spirit, walk in the spirit, be in the spirit, clothe in the spirit, and to God be the book. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Supernatural, and and you know 
know, we can come from church and we kind of like to tell God exactly what we can do and what we can't do. Thank you very much. And, and if we're going to walk in the Spirit and we're going to even just bear the fruit of the Spirit, there's, there's going to be change. God's going to call you to step out in faith. God's going to call you to obedience. God's going to call you to newness, to walk in newness of life. And some of the old systems and even the old relationships and ways of doing things, it's going to going to shake it up a little bit. Okay, a lot of it. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. I want to encourage you. When God calls us to steps of faith and to walk in newness of life, the, the reactions that we get, even if they're not necessarily uh, all affirming, does not mean you're not doing what you're supposed to be. It could mean exactly that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You understand what I'm saying? So I just want to, I want to encourage you. I want to, I want it's an adventure. This is, this is, this is, I mean, you're, if you're kind of getting this, woo, that's the first church. That's the early disciples. They were like, okay, we got this Holy Spirit. What are we supposed to do? And, and the apostles were like, I don't know. We're kind of figuring this out with you. <laughs> you know, we're like two steps ahead of you. And so uh, it's, it's exciting. It's an adventure. It, you should embrace it. Um, but, but also just, just know uh, some things will be different in you. For the better, as you become more Christ-like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. And that's why we have to, this is, that's why this is important. Because uh, an environment like this gives um, all of us, really, the security of the trying things. Whether it's praying for offering, or reading scripture, or sharing a recipe, or playing the piano. All of that is people responding to God. And, and what a wonderful church family he's planted us in to say, okay, Lord, for 11 weeks, and now Bill said I have to seek you. And he's like, okay, this is what I want you to do. <gasps> Are you kidding? <laughs> right? You're going to have that moment. If you're going to seek the Lord, and I challenge you, over the next few days, when in your quiet time, get a pencil and a paper and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And get ready to write and when he tells you something, you write it. And then what are you supposed to do? Do it. Then you do it. <laughs> and the people around you might be the one that you call. Hey, I think God's prompting me. Can you pray with me about this? Can you help me get counsel on it? Or, hey, Bill or Richie, is there a way I can... You see what I'm saying? This, this is how it becomes real. You involve other people in your life to help you make it real. Okay. And when you're walking in the Spirit, I will also share with you uh, this one other thing. It is just the opposite of walking in the world. So whatever you're thinking, worldly-wise, you can be assured uh, reasonably that God is speaking to you when it's flipped upside down. Yeah. When it's flipped upside down and you're thinking about it in terms of, oh my gosh, I'm thinking about that in worldly terms, and if it's flipped upside down from the world's way of thinking, that's probably a really good indication that you should be seeking the Lord in that area. Okay? Because we think too much in the world because we're sucked into it, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Because we, we're in it. We're not of it, but we're in it. And, and therein lies one of the devil's greatest tools. He wants to suck you into the world. And we are not of this world. And so all of these things that are broken, he will try to keep us in there. Okay? And so if it's flipped on its head and it is and it is biblically correct, and you have been seeking counsel, starting by seeking the Lord, that's a really good indication that you may be about, it's about time to step out of the boat. 
That is, it's, it is exciting, and, and, um, and it's <laughs> good. Yeah. 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 Amen. Exhilarating. <laughs> 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 <laughs>